0: Lily, help me out with this one. Fish nets, satin sheets, garter belt, raw meat. <laughs> mm. Raw meat? What's she doing with Devon in the bedroom that I don't know about?
1: It sounds like bear bag. Or
0: baloney, as you call it over there. Um, oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you may not have heard of Artie Letterman, but you've no doubt listened to at least a few of the many tracks he stole from Madonna before selling them off at around $1,000 apiece. Well before Rebel Heart's planned release in 2015, there was an initial trickle and then a deluge of leaks filtered online. And boy, was Madonna furious. Not only had her work been stolen, but probably most stinging of all for this renowned perfectionist, the work that was spreading illegally around the world wasn't even finished. In total, 15 demo tracks were leaked from Rebel Heart as well as artwork fans like me couldn't resist and we spent many weeks absorbing Madonna's incomplete Rebel Heart product. And to this day, I still can't help comparing the demos with the official versions. It turns out the Israeli hacker responsible was a lonely, aspiring musician who felt he was wasting his life away when he appeared on a talent show called A Star is Born some years before. He was also found to be responsible for leaking Give Me All Your Lovin' years earlier. And he was chucked in prison for 14 months. But as always, it was Madonna who received the greatest backlash. She described the hack as artistic rape and terrorism. The comparison's not going down well with victims of sexual assault or in light of Sydney, Australia's terrorism incident, which had occurred not long before. It's quite a backstory, but what else would you expect from Madonna? The only difference here is that the chaos surrounding her new work was not orchestrated or controlled by herself. And that's the part that probably made her angriest of all taking us through Madonna's 13th studio album. Lily, Megs, Rocco, welcome, my friends.
2: Hello. Thanks for having me. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hi.
0: Thanks for having me. Great to have you all on board. Now, it's a good five years ago now, Lily. So with the benefit of hindsight, take us through what are your impressions and your memories of Rebel Heart?
1: Well, the most prominent memory for me, because I wasn't a fan of Madonna at the time, was the public response to the bitch i madonna music video because i remember that got a lot of backlash well my impression of the album especially looking back on it comparing to her other works is that while it may be called rebel heart i feel it lacks heart
0: wow strong fighting words i'm looking forward Lily, to finding out exactly how you arrived at that conclusion megs memories highlights low points of the rebel heart era
2: yeah, I would just say that it's a solid album. You know, it's an enjoyable album, but it's a little bit hit and miss, I guess. Like a few of the songs I don't even bother listening to on a regular basis, even though the rest I do. So I would just say that it's it's a fine album and, and it had a nice um, story thread throughout it, but um, really, it's yeah, it was a bit hit and miss for me.
0: Rocco, it's Rebel Heart, so it's meant to be Madonna's rebel side and also with a, a good a good drop, a decent drop of heart involved. Did she hit the mark with what she was trying to achieve?
3: Yeah, definitely. I actually think it's interesting that she initially wanted to have a two-sided record or, I guess, two separate, like, installments, you know, one being the rebellious side and then the other being all the more introspective, romantic songs. But I actually like how she decided to put them all on one album, you know, because within one being is all of those different elements. So I think it actually makes it more personal.
0: And from what I understand, Madonna wanted to go back to basics with Rebel Heart. She wanted to pull out the guitar. She wanted songs that could stand alone without production value. But I believe that she wanted this album to be romantic to an extent. And I think, I actually do think that comes through this album.
2: Yeah, can I also add that I think when the demos came out, it just heightened my excitement about the album. Like we got to listen to them raw and unedited and unpolished and everything, and that got me really excited for the actual album.
0: Rocco, were you listening to the demos as well?
3: Yeah, I was. I This was not like previous leaks where, you know, they are demos from albums that she already got a chance to put out as she intended the audience to hear them. Um, I'm not entirely convinced that they were going to hurt the record in terms of sales because, you know, the hardcore fans are the only ones who are going to be seeking out these leaks and they're going to buy the album regardless. But um, yeah, I did. And I thought it was interesting that we unintentionally, of course, sort of were able to witness the creative evolution of these songs almost in real time before the album even came out.
0: I have to admit that's exactly how I felt at the time. I was like, oh, so this is what they sound like before they get into the the final edits, I suppose, because there's so many bells and whistles on all of these tracks, as we all know now, because we've heard the demos, which were so stripped back and raw. But sometimes I wonder, I don't think the fans care as much as Madonna. I think we're eager beavers. I was, I was so excited. It been so long since I'd heard new Madonna music. There was no way I wasn't going to look it up. Should we be looking it up or should we be supporting her when she says in interviews, I don't know why, if you're real fans, you'd you'd leak it. I don't know why you'd listen to it. Let me show you the work that I want to show you.
1: Um, When it comes to the leaks, I can see where Madonna is coming from, where she called it artistic rape of sorts. I wouldn't probably have said those things, but I can see how leaking like the act of leaking the music is essentially stealing so i can understand why that would be so aggravating to her but i think to argue that once the music's leaked you shouldn't listen to it or you're not a true fan if you listen to the leaks and not wait for the actual release i think that's a bit demanding and controlling in some ways (laughs) because madonna roll over that's just me though
3: (laughs) Well, and also she did an interview around the time um, that the album came out and she was sitting in a room and she was surrounded by paintings by um, Andy Warhol and Keith Haring and she was asked about the leaks and she made the comparison. She said, you know, imagine if one of the paintings that are in this room right now, before the artist was finished painting it, someone broke into their studio, stole it, made copies of it and posted it all around the city You know, that would be kind of embarrassing for the artist because that wasn't the statement they were trying to make. And, um, you know, I I actually liked that particular quote because it made, I think it probably helped people understand more her perspective. I think that perfectly explains it
1: on her end.
0: There were a lot of tracks though that didn't end up on the album that were leaked as well yes. that we got to hear in demo form and some of them were pretty ordinary, I have to say. So it's not mm. only about the unfinished versions of songs, it was also about getting to hear things that we probably weren't going to get to hear mm. at all.
2: A bit like with Michael Jackson's Escape album. I don't know how happy he would have been when all those songs were released after his death. So mm. probably Madonna felt and would have felt, yeah, equally bad about that.
0: Absolutely. Today, we're going to be talking track by track of the Rebel Heart album. But before we do, the packaging. I'm curious to know, what did you all make of the the era and the artwork that goes around it? Because it's almost as profound as the work itself, the, the cover arts, the photo shoots, the images that she puts out, the clothing she wears for interviews and promotion. Was the Rebel Heart era theme on
1: spot? I will argue, at least, that, some of her most beautiful photography moments are during this era. I think that like those photos of her in that red sweater for the cover of rebel heart on some of the editions, she looks gorgeous on those covers.
0: Yeah. But I think that's takes it it back to the eighties. I reckon that that short platinum blonde hair reminds me of early Madonna work a little bit. Mm. Mm -hmm.
1: And then I think there's some fun images with her and like, that chainmail nun outfit or her with the sword i think those are really interesting and good quality photos but i think when it comes to the overall promotion of the album it could have been better i don't think it was the worst when it comes to the visuals
3: i really liked the cover particularly the deluxe cover um she was asked actually on a, on a show, I forget what show it was, but she was asked, you know, what does this symbolize? And she said that the ropes were kind of meant to represent, you know, the kind of, I'm paraphrasing here, but she said something like, you know, it represents the, the, um, restrictions that, or censorship that people sometimes put on, on artists, you know, and, um, I, I liked that symbolism. I thought it worked. Uh, I'm not entirely fond of having like th- two or three different album covers. I get that, you know, it, they're different versions, but I like the idea of having one cover that becomes like an iconic image for an album. But the one thing that bothered me about the packaging and the only complaint I had wasn't really with the photography. It was more with the fact that the production and songwriting credits were not in the booklet. Mm-hmm. And that I, I, at the time I thought that that was just because of the leaks and they wanted to rush the album out and they didn't have time to print them. But in Madame X, Um, they also didn't print them in most of the booklets either. So I don't know why that is. Um, To me, they feel like they should be there
0: I know it's like a complete piece of work and I think the other point there is credit where credit's due, right? We should we should be able to see all the people that were involved in the making of this. It's interesting you talk about that the cover art and what it represented. It obviously created memes, which was a, a great thing for her uh, at the time for the promotion of this album. On social media there were uh, many hilarious memes, some controversial ones as well, which she reposted and got criticised for, of course, accused of racism in some cases I think with Nelson. Mandela for example but it's a theme she's carried through to Madame X as well this idea of being chained as an as an artist even the the cover of Madame X would be a little bit along a similar vein and also the fact that she started this I don't know if we could call it a habit as such but on Rebel Heart she started uh, deliberately altering her voice to represent different ideas as well I think it's iconic where she's deliberately um boasting a lisp. And then she's done the same in some tracks on Madame X as well. So she's really um, clinging to this theme at the moment of the the chained and restrained artist.
3: Yeah, she actually, uh, I think one of the tracks you're talking about, and we'll get into that later, but I think she was wearing her grills when she was recording some of the vocals. Let's talk about
0: the the writing and the recording of this. Um, Do any of you have any knowledge around this? This is never my strong point, I have to admit. But who did she involve and include in in the creation of Rebel Heart?
1: Well, I know originally
3: it was a lot of Avicii. She started working with Avicii, um, she says, as a songwriter. I don't know if she intended to go his route musically but i think she he had opened for her actually he opened for her on the mdna tour the date that i saw at uh, yankee stadium in new york and um i think she really liked his songwriting process and so they wrote a lot of songs together but i think that musically she knew she wanted to go in a different direction she worked with people like diplo um she worked with kanye towards the end of the album Kanye had said to her you know let me do for you with what Rick Rubin did with my album which was basically taking all the stuff he thought he already had finished and just reworking it completely so he he's the one that changed up Illuminati and um Wash All Over Me and uh a few others I can't remember but um it was she likened it to like a subway ride where there were constantly people going in and out and she found it a little frustrating too didn't she yeah, she did. She, I think that's probably one of the reasons that with Madame X, she she was in one place. She was in Lisbon. She was just working with Mirways and, you know, maybe like one or two other people. And she was like set set up shop basically in one place and did it differently. I don't know if she's ever said that, but I have a feeling that she knew, okay, with the next project, I want to really do things differently, you know?
0: Let's start looking at this album track by track. The opening track, single number one, Living for Love. What do we all make when we first heard this and saw the video clip for the first time?
1: As a single, I think that's a great choice for a single because it's so anthemic and powerful. I do think the lead single should have been the title track, but I think if it could have been another song, I think that Living for Love was the best choice.
0: Wow, you think Rebel Heart should have been the title track of the opening single?
1: I think that coming, I guess going back to the demos, I think the demo version of Rebel Heart should have been the lead single to the album. I think it would have been a much better launch because I think that song is...
0: Fairly anthemic and positive and uplifting. Megs, mm. what do you think about the opening single? Was it the right choice?
2: Um, I might be a bit alone. Like, I'm not a big fan of the song personally. I just, yep. I, I don't find it, find it extremely enjoyable. Um, but I think it, it's it's a good song for performances and it's a good song for a video clip because, you know, it's just so, um, you know, loud and, and it does it does represent the theme of the album pretty well.
0: I always find it hard with Madonna's opening singles. Because I don't know about you, Rocco, as a long-term fan though, the expectations on the new music are enormous. And also because you know it's Madonna, you know that she's going to go in some direction that you probably didn't expect, or it's going to be iconic or anthemic in some way. And when this came out, even though I do love the song now, it wasn't what I expected, but then when I look back over my history, I'm always feeling that way about the opening track because I think I just... (laughs) I have such high expectations I don't know what I'm expecting some sort of once in a lifetime moment every time which is not possible Um, but I'm a bit like you Megs I'm not a huge huge fan of the song I love Mm. some of the remixes of it I grew to love it a lot more once I saw the live performances aside from the one at the Brit Awards which we're going to talk about and I was really disappointed though I have to say with the video clip I just couldn't i loved what they were trying to achieve i loved the idea of it but the coloring and the final mixing yeah. of it i don't know what it is it feels like an error actually to me i know yeah. it's meant to be deliberate but for me when i watch it on no matter how good the tv is or the quality of the um the device it's it's blurry and the blacks aren't black yeah. and the reds aren't properly red i, I I hate it. The if sound I'm going to be honest. It bothers
2: yeah. me. The sound effects I thought were a bit unbalanced, like they were sort of uh, dominating the actual music in some parts, and I just didn't think they fit in very nicely.
3: I really, really do admire, though, how for the first time in ten years she decides to make the lead sing- the lead single a song where it's just her and not a featured younger artist any there could have been several different choices for lead singles but um i really do like the background vocals it's not alicia keys i thought it was because she's one of the co-writers on the song but that um during the first verse that that woman who's singing, who's singing background, it's a little, little part, but it just adds so much to the song, the little like comments and, you know, like accents sort of, you know, on Madonna's lead vocals. And, um, the offer, Nassim. I hope I'm saying that right. But his remix, which they incorporated into the live performances, that intro where she's walking in the onto the stage. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. loved that intro. Epic. That gave me chills when I first saw it. It was so yeah, like cool. epic.
0: We've got to talk about the, the 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 Grammy performance and the Brit performance. I mean, well. <laughs> It's fantastically choreographed. I was so excited to see all singing, all dancing Madonna back. Mm. And as Rocco says, it was her and her alone, not Justin Timberlake or um, Nicki Minaj or, you know, Maluma in the later life. at This time mm. it was just an opening single, just her, relying on herself. It was a little bit like a prayer-ish. And then she goes on to do like these epic, very intricate Madonna-esque well, they're not Madonna-esque. Are they they are Madonna personified <laughs> performances of the opening track. Fantastic, but what a shame! What a shame with the Brits.
2: Yeah, she, that that we hated watching that bit where she fell over, and you know, she said she got whiplash after it on that on that mm. interview show. And mm. yeah, it just makes my heart break because it's such a good performance, and she put so much effort into it, and just to have that little error happen, you know, she got pulled back by her cape, you know, and Lily,
0: a, a little error. That means so much to a woman who prides herself on perfectionism. Mm.
1: I know. And then, but something I do think really, I think I noticed, especially watching that performance, because I mean, the first time I saw it, I was so uncomfortable when she had fallen, but I noticed as she was performing, I almost thought it was on purpose because of the lyrics Mm. of the song. Mm. (laughs) Like literally, she's like, if I fall down, I'll get up. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, maybe this was on purpose. And so I was kind of laughing it off.
0: For me, I, I guess because I've not only examined the music, but the person for so long, that look on her face when she got back up of yeah. of like, it a bit like what you said, Nez, it was quite heartbreaking cause mm. you see a mixture of what the hell is going on here, confusion, anger. But most of all, Um, vulnerability, which you don't see in her face very often. And that's the part that got me. She's so vulnerable. She's so alone almost in that one moment. Yeah, she was rattled. It was really hard to watch. Yeah, definitely. But what a pro, right, Rocco? I mean, she gets up, lifted me up and watched me
3: stumble after the heartache. I'm going to carry on. Well, it's funny that Lily said that because in the Jonathan Ross interview, he he actually asked her, Mm -hmm. he said, you know, there are some people who say, that she did this on purpose because the lyrics of the song and Madonna kind of jokingly said, I'm never writing lyrics like that ever again because it (laughs) totally was not meant to happen, you know? Um, But it also shows how in shape she was because she felt it it, it didn't, maybe you couldn't tell from watching it, but she fell from a pretty high place, you know? I mean, she could have seriously hurt herself, but, you know, thank God she didn't no and then i'm realizing
1: actually it was i
3: think almost 10 years before that
1: performance she had fallen off the horse
0: we moved through to track two of the album devil prey now this has got to be i'll be interested very curious to know what you all think of this devil Prey" has got to be one of the standouts wow. of the album and again the leak being quite uh it's not different in terms of structure but it, uh, certainly the the demo version of it leaked I prefer for some strange reason it's um, not got any of the bells or whistles. And when the real track came out, I'm not going to lie, I was quite offended (laughs) that
3: that they'd done what they'd done to this wonderful track. There was a, there was an intro in the demo that, Got taken off of the final um, the final track, and I don't know why they did that because when I listened to it the first time, the f- the f- released version, it sounds to me it sounds like it just starts in the middle of an, of, of a song, you know, and I I, I wonder why she didn't want to keep that intro because I felt it was a nice way to like start things off, you know.
0: But the song itself, I mean, it's very – invokes some strong imagery. We can do drugs and we can smoke weed and we can can drink whiskey. Yeah, we can get high and we can get stoned. Let me continue. And we can sniff glue and we can do E and we can drop acid. Forever be lost with no way home.
1: But I feel like part of it, especially when she's listing off the drug stuff, it doesn't sound authentic. Mm. It seems a bit like I'm hip with the kids. Sniffing glue. Ah. Okay, well, that's reasonable too,
0: especially when Madonna hasn't had a heavy drug use history, that's for sure. So, okay, yeah, maybe trying to get a reaction where one isn't warranted. What about the imagery of the ground beneath my feet's getting warmer, Lucifer is near, holding on but I'm getting weaker, watch me disappear. I actually, sometimes Madonna, I know she's a fantastic songwriter, but there are plenty of tracks, most of which have leaked and we shouldn't have seen, I suppose, but where I think, oh, those lyrics come on Madonna, it's... Uh, pretty cheap or you know uh, unrefined but when she hits the mark i think she really hits the mark and to me this is poetry this song
2: yeah and she it, there's a lot of religious themes in it like she brings in saint mary as well she's praying to saint mary and that's why a lot of people have interpreted it to be uh the drugs that, like narcotics that connecting her to a higher level of consciousness and mm. to god and you know it's all about you know exploring sort of psychedelically um like you know the world or the transcendent i guess and I find find it very interesting. And I think the form of the song's a little bit rhapsody-like as well. Like it starts off with a guitar and then it builds up into sort of a house beat drop. And so I think it's a really unique and interesting song and I, I love it. Rocco?
3: I I felt like this was something that came from a very real emotional place because she mentioned in the actually her acceptance speech in the GLAAD Awards um, last year, she said, you know, she had so many friends that died, and she listed off several reasons, and one of them was was drug use.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I've heard Madonna talk about drug use so many times over the years, and my my conclusion is <laughs> that she is quite intolerant to it. Actually, I think she understands it. But with her brother and with friends and obviously the people that she mixes with and for someone herself who's so in control, Mm. I don't think she quite understands why anybody would put themselves at such risk and want to be so out of control. Let's move through Ghost Town. This is a very huge fan favourite, single number two from the album too. She announced that on Howard Stern's show, I believe. And the video is – it's beautiful. I love the video for it Mm. too. What are we making of uh, Ghost Town?
2: Um, Well, for me, I I love Ghost Town. It's like one of my favourite tracks on the whole album. It's just a powerful ballad song and it was written by lots of people as well. I think it's like you you can tell when you listen to it because every lyric is sort of perfect and, um, yeah, I think the video clip was really powerful in, in expressing what the lyrics were trying to express, which is just, you know, even in the worst of times, in the most desolate, horrible place, like you can find hope and love or hope through love, I guess.
1: I would agree with Megs on that. I think the song is one of the best of the album. It's great. I think I love the auto-tune that she uses kind of at that beginning Mm. part to affect her voice and create that pattern. I think that was an interesting choice. Not in like a bad way, Mm. like an interesting good choice. And I think overall
3: the song is great. I actually have a very, like, fun memory associated with this song. When I saw the Rebel Heart tour at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, um, Ghost Town was not part of the regular set list for the show. And um, this was toward the beginning of the tour. And during that acoustic section where she did Who's That Girl and Rebel Heart, she, in the middle of that, surprised the audience and sang uh, Ghost Town. and. She was so moved by the audience's response to that that she was like in tears crying at the end of the song. And it was a really um it was a really cool, memorable night for that reason alone. I mean, it was a great show, but that was just, you know, special it felt more special because she wasn't for some reason she didn't add it to the regular set list. I'm not sure why that was, but that was a really cool night.
0: I, I'd also like to know. Is this the one? I know I'm going to get this wrong. Did she sing? Did she sing "Ghost Town" with Taylor Swift?
3: She did. Yeah, but that it was, was at, Taylor um, on the guitar. Taylor wasn't singing. That was at the iHeart Radio Awards, I think.
1: Yes. So Taylor did not sing oh, with her. Yeah. It was just Taylor on guitar, and Madonna was singing. Unapologetic bitch. Here we go. The first of the bitch songs
0: on "Rebel Hearts." A bit of reggae man. How do we go with Unapologetic Bitch, Max? It Um, reminded me so much of a song, didn't it? Didn't I used to say that when this first came out? I was listening to it going, oh, it reminds me of something else. I finally got it, but now I've forgotten it
2: again. Well, I've got a really weird take that nobody will... Well, I I can try and explain it, I guess. Um, Give it a try, Max. Give it a try. Well, obviously, it's so different to Ghost Town. Like Ghost Town's like a beautiful, you know, sort of heartfelt song. And this one's, you know, like a, a really hard dance track, you know, a pop track. And... But I actually think the lyrics are comparable in their meaning because while Ghost Town we talked about is about uh, finding hope and love in the worst of times, I think this track is about having fun in the worst of times Hmm. um, because I think it's it's sort of like a breakup track and it's talking about how um, I'm going to move on from it and I'm just going to live my life and, you know, party anyway sort of thing. And so I think that there's a reason she put them next to each other
0: it always reminds me of of the tour. I have to admit, unapologetic bitch, because this is where she'd get the celebrities up on the stage and do the the spanking and the humiliating yeah. and the <laughs> degrading, <laughs> but very really very fun, very fun yeah. moments of the show. Yeah,
3: it's always it's interesting you mention that because I always wondered if she saw Britney's Vegas show. Because Britney Spears in her Vegas show, which started, I think, a few years before the Rebel Heart Tour, had a similar um, number where she brought a fan up on stage and did something very similar. So I, I wasn't sure if Madonna was sort of like re- redoing that her own way or. But, yeah, I remember that, uh, but, you know.
0: How far back do you go, though? I remember Janet Jackson dragging people up, uh, doing rope burn, I think it was. Uh, Yeah, it's a pretty tried-and-true formula, I've got to say. Madonna did it best, though. I was really surprised when she got Ariana Grande up there, though, to be honest. yeah, I don't know why. She had split ends. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Apparently she did. All those expensive hairdressers, Lily, and she still has split ends. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, for me, I think the song is fun. The lyrics are fun. Mm. But I do think it's a little slow for me. Like, I wish it was either faster or even more slow and it had, like, a different interpretation.
0: Illuminati. Now, this is crazy and apparently written because Madonna was intrigued that she had been accused of being part of the Illuminati, which if you go on YouTube and on social media, you can find plenty of conspiracy conspiracy theory about the illuminati but then i saw it on tour with that Mm. incredible it doesn't come across on tv does it really when you watch illuminati on television in the concert version means nothing but when you were in that stadium wow this was incredible moment of the show for me i
3: really like the demo version at first, I really, really liked the demo version better because I thought to myself, you know, the, the, the song really benefits from having more of a dance beat to it, you know, more of a faster tempo. But then mm-hmm. when I saw the show, I totally agree with you. It totally elevated the album version for me. The dancers going on those things super high up was like insane I thought the video backdrop was perfect. And it it was just so perfectly, it captured the energy of the song, really.
2: Yeah, and I think the reason that the demo and the actual track are so different is because Kanye West came along and produced it and, you know, put his own spin on it. And now, he I really do not likes... like this man,
0: <laughs> but I can't run him down for what he did on this album. He, he, he did a good job.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. And with Illuminati, everyone says it's unique and it's sort of like I've never quite heard something like it and that's because, yeah, Kanye thought it was an interesting sound to go with and I think, yeah, Madonna must have agreed.
0: Here's a question for you all. How many celebrities... Can you name from Illuminati? Okay,
3: Beyonce? so there was Beyoncé, there was Lady Gaga, there was Justin Bieber, there was LeBron James. Queen Elizabeth. Jay-Z. <laughs> yeah, there's Obama.
0: Kanye. Um, every, everyone listening to this is yelling, yelling at the
3: speakers right now. Yeah, I'm You missed, you missed, you missed. You know, if you knew the history... The Illuminati, it was actually people who were referencing people who were illuminated to, like, the highest knowledge or whatever. I'm Again, I'm paraphrasing. I can't remember exactly what she said. But that was sort of her point, is that people were acting like it was a bad thing, but she was saying they don't understand what the Illuminati, the roots of the Illuminati even were.
0: Enlightened. That's right. And Madonna considers herself so. Bitch (laughs) on Madonna. Featuring Nicki Minaj. Now, this is crazy, this song.
3: This is my favourite song on the album. Tell us mm. why. It has an empowering aspect to it, you know, and I would have been fine whether it had Nicki Minaj on it or not because the original demo didn't have her on it, but I don't think that she takes away from the song at all. It just – and it's not your typical pop song in a way, you know. Musically, it, it it's kind of – can be kind of jarring for some people and I've noticed a lot of people who are longtime fans especially from the very very beginning of her career are not very fond of this particular song but for me it follows the same tradition of fast dance songs that she's done that really have empowering lyrics and an empowering mood to them and on those days when you need to sort of Feel when you're kind of having a bad day, or you need to feel empowered. This is like one of my go to songs, honestly. Yeah.
0: I can understand that. And look, Madonna's always loved a splash of eccentricity in her music. You think of Dear Jesse, you think of I'm Going Bananas. I put this in the same basket and I know people will yell at me for that and I accept that totally. But it is. It's an eccentric song. And I think one of her goals when she started out creating Rebel Heart, at least in some of the sessions, was let's go as crazy and as out there and out of avant-garde as we possibly can with some of the tracks. And I think this is probably one of those that was born out of that. Not to mention it really... Feeds her ego, bitch, on Madonna, just mm-hmm. reminding people, yes, I might be this age and not as relevant as ever, but bitch, I'm Madonna, which is why the context of getting all those other celebrities into the video clip yeah. was actually so important. She's cementing that queen status yet again.
2: Yeah, and she's using dubstep, which is obviously something that's yeah. very popular with the younger generations and everything. So she's saying, you know, I can dip into any genre I want. I'm Madonna, that sort of thing
0: adore the video i think the video is so creative yeah, and so fun. fun and yeah and funnily enough not as slick even though i know how much effort would go into something like that and expense but it, it still comes back to something that you could do in a school production or mm. at home almost and that and i think that fed through when she did it i think on jimmy fallon show the night show in the united states she went right back to basics with it there too and i love the fact that the kids are in it Mm. Um, at the beginning, which offended a lot of people. But, I mean, get over it, people. Kids are very resilient and I think they talk to said them like they're adults.
2: Yeah, I think they said bitch, which annoyed a lot of people as well. Or at least they, they mouth- mouthed it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. What did you make of the video, Lily? Did you like the sock puppets?
1: Oh, my gosh. Again, <laughs> I hope no one hates me for this, but I feel like Bitch and Madonna is a good, bad song like i love i love to listen to it i sing along to it when it comes on but i don't think it's a good song
3: (laughs) i like i enjoy
1: listening to it in the sense of like oh my gosh this is stupid fun but like i do consider it a not a not one of madonna's prime moments but i do enjoy it for what it is and for the music video i would say what you said about how it It could be like homemade and like done by a school production. You kinda said that as a positive. I would say that as a negative. (laughs) Where like I don't want Madonna doing school production level things. I want Madonna doing Bigger
0: Madonna button. hosts for Rock Stedford. <laughs> 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 That's so true. I think she was aiming for that, let's face it. I'm always quite perturbed by the fact that she finally makes it to the top of this building. I take the elevator straight up to the rooftop. And I don't yeah. even think she gets in an elevator. I think she walks upstairs. Yeah. And then once she's finally there, once she's achieved her goal, she just sort of humps around on things and, yeah. Ben does that if weird that's her sound idea of fun, that's okay. End,
2: that cutting weird sound like <laughs> as it's com- yeah, coming towards the end of the song. <laughs> It's such a weird sound. It's like it's a, a sword a, like being edited <laughs> in the audience.
1: It is very
0: peculiar. I hate the fact that it's quite normal to me because I've heard it so many times, but it is a very peculiar track.
3: Yeah, well, you know, and this was also in the age of you know, when videos had, had to have like a vi- a viral element to them. Yes. Because now views on youtube or vivo count toward the billboard charts and so mm-hmm. celebrities now like to get a bunch of different celebrity cameos in their videos and you know as many as they can and she kind of got criticized for some reason from people for you know some of those celebrities sort of phoned it in so to speak like they weren't yes. there but they recorded scenes yeah. but um i liked a lot mm-hmm. of the cameos chris rock was there rita Ora. um mm-hmm.
0: You know i love the but fact that the I... children in it we've got rocco and david are, are both in this and i love seeing rocco in it because there's a story there my friends there really is he's quite estranged from his mother in some ways i would say anyway that's a very personal comment to make but i just love the <laughs> fact that he was there with david <laughs> and uh, made me happy it, it was i just i thought the whole video was very fun a bit like what you said lily if you take it for what it is Um and just go with it. (laughs) You've got no choice, really.
2: It's very easy to mock, though. Like that, Bart Baker or somebody did a parody of it. It's just very, very funny. Because oh my gosh, yes, visually and everything. You know, it's so easy to. How do we find it on YouTube? Tell everyone, Uh, Bart Baker. Yeah, I think it's Bart Baker.
0: Yeah, he did a thing where,
1: like, I don't want to say what it is, but it's a kind of funny idea to take it. I feel like some Madonna fans might get mad at it, but I think it's funny.
0: Oh yeah. Track seven on the album is Hold Tight. Now, I believe this was released in Italy. Is this the track or have I got that wrong?
1: It was. It was the third single in Italy. I love this song so much. I think it's so dreamy, especially in the chorus. It's a great choice of a song to be on the album, in my opinion.
0: I love the beginning of this track. For any 80s kids out there, you might remember the the film called Never-Ending Story. The beginning, only the first five, ten seconds, it just reminds me so much of Never-Ending Story. I don't know why. Leave a comment if you think that I'm mad. Leave a comment if you think that I'm right. I'd be curious to know. Rocco, what do you make of Hold Tight?
3: I love the song, and this is another kind of song, conceptually, that she has on this album. She has, like, romantic records. She has, like, you know, more button-pushing records. She has... You know, and then this sort of brand would be like the empowering, motivational kinds of records. And Iconic fits in with that theme too. This song to me is, I think, vocally, the arrangements is what I love more than anything. I mean, I love the message, but I love MNEK's backgrounds. I don't know if he co wrote the song or, or, um, what his involvement was but on some of the other demos that got leaked his background vocals are more prominent and i actually i actually like those better but um i think that the finished version is still really really good and it has it's kind of i feel like this is a nice sister record to living for love
1: but i do want to acknowledge that this is i believe one of the only times we see a madonna exclusive produced track
0: Can we talk about track eight, Joan of Arc? I really enjoy this song. For me, it was one of the standouts right from the beginning. I prefer it over Ghost Town. Mm. Boo, everyone says, but I don't know why. I I find them similar in some ways, and I find Joan of Arc the superior track. It also reminds me, not musically but lyrically, of Drowned World from Ray of Light in in the sense that she's really talking about the media and how they – impact on her life and how they make her feel desolate lonely so popular that's yet so isolated all of those themes are coming up here
2: i think she allows herself to be vulnerable with these lyrics and you know just express the fact that she's human and that you know it does hurt her to be talked about and vilified badly you know subject to all sorts of criticisms and yeah I and think-
0: madonna loves her historical figures and joan yes. of arc
2: i know she's been fascinated
0: with joan of arc for the longest time it came out through madame x again there were references to that through the well, dark, ballet. Mean, dark ballet uh, um yes. you know and it's catholic reference as well joan of arc being a, a catholic saint
1: I think it's a great track I do think I appreciate the minimal production on it Like Ghost Town's kind of a power ballad Whereas Joan of Arc's more of like a piano interlude situation That I really appreciate for what it is
0: When Rebel Heart was released My least favourite track In fact I'd go as far as to say I hated it Was track 9, Iconic And then I sat there in the stadium Waiting for Madonna Hour after hour after hour, putting up <laughs> with that hideous rapping woman who came on before her, putting up with people getting restless, some people walking out, the people next to us getting drunker and drunker and then poking both you and I and saying, you're brothers, you're brothers, yeah. all of that. And then she comes down in the cage uh-huh. and she performs Iconic. And ever since that moment, like so many Madonna tracks actually, once I see them live, I now love Iconic. Yeah. Well, you know, that
3: iconic. opening, that opening in person i don't know if it translated that well to the live dvd but when you were in person it was so epic seeing the dancers arrive on stage in those like gladiator outfits and i always loved the 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 finish yeah i always loved Mm -hmm. the finished version of this song Um, The original demo that got leaked was like a piano, like acoustic version, but I think I definitely loved the melody and knew that there was going to be like lots of things done to it. And I love the empowering aspect to it as well.
2: Yeah, and she opens with Mike Tyson as part of that, um, you know, empowering aspect. I was so surprised she
0: managed to get that man to string a sentence together <laughs> in the studio. She did. Re- I think that's the performance of the year for Madonna.
2: It was so, it was so powerful and potent that bit where he comes out on the big screens and he's just sort of yelling at you motivational things, and she comes out and does her equally motivating song, which is mm. just about knowing that you're amazing. Basically,
1: yeah, it's good. I do dislike the addition of Chance the Rapper. I think he doesn't do anything for the song. Mm. And I often fast forward through his part whenever I can. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I
2: actually like that bit. Mm, well, mm-hmm. before the concert, if you would said that she was going to open with iconic, you'd go, "What? Why wouldn't she open with one of the other ones?" Absolutely. But in, in, when you actually experience, it, it makes it, it's sense. Like, it's so right. Every
0: one of her tours tells a story, yeah. and 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 I know this is going to probably sound strange, but I'm sure Madonna would get what I mean. Michael Jackson, Prince, mm. Whitney Houston, all those, all the icons that we know uh, that were of that league. There are plenty, plenty of big celebrities from that era still left, but the icons of that era, she is the only one left. Mm. She is the only one left, in my opinion. That got to that stratosphere, at least.
1: Yeah. Which is sad, really. Heartbreak City, track 10.
0: And as... Just before we go any further, let's all have a stretch because this is a big album and we are doing the deluxe version here, my friends. If uh, there's people listening, I wonder if they're going to do the deluxe. Yes, we are. We are. I've drawn the line at all the other (laughs) tracks. We'll do some honourable mentions towards the end, but we could be here for the next four hours if we go through every track and every version of every track as well. Heartbreak City, apparently written about some young toy boy she had that she broke up with and she wasn't very happy with and broke her heart. But, again, love the performance from the Rebel Heart tour of this. Wasn't a huge fan when I first heard it. The tours reinvented my um, perception of this song. I really quite enjoy it. I think it's great.
1: I love the mashup with um, Love Don't Live Here Anymore. I think that was such a ah, smart yes. choice.
3: I think in the, in the demo, she, she – sa- well, it sounded like she sampled – Michael Jackson's They Don't Care About Us. But in the Uh. album version, it sounds like she added a bunch of instrumentation on top of that to sort of mask the sample. And I'm not sure, I'm just saying that's what it sounds like. I'm not saying this is a fact or not. But I remember when the demo leaked, a lot of people were saying, oh, she sampled They Don't Care About Us. And it sounds like that part in the beginning of They Don't Care About Us you know, towards the end. And um I'm not sure if if she did that on purpose or if that was just a coincidence, but
2: And it I definitely thought... reminds me of Ghost Town too. I, I often get them mixed up actually, Heartbreak City and Ghost Town. And really you know, when I think when I hear Heartbreak City I think of the Ghost Town video clip as well. And I don't know if that's just because there's a thematic thread or I if I think it's you're just...
3: quite unwell. <laughs> don't say that.
0: <laughs> I, I agree with similar. him actually.
2: <laughs> I would agree. They're both kind of the I agree
0: with him, Lily. For those who don't know, Megs is my son, and I'm allowed to mock him when I want. (laughs) Go on, Lily, rush to his defense.
1: No, I'm just saying, I agree. They're both these very cinematic ballads that are very similar in production. Looking at the credits, they share a lot of the same co writers and producers. So Mm, it would make sense. sense.
0: One of the fans listening will be able to tell us if it was written in the same sessions, and possibly then I will be mocked and I will be wrong. Track 11, Body Shop. No, I'm just going to pass. Can we move straight to track 12? Anybody?
1: I just want to say I love the ending of the chorus, and that's really it. But other than that, the song's kind of cheesy and feels weird. So you like about yeah. four
0: seconds of the song? That's good, Lily. Yeah. Next.
1: After she says the word, after she says the word
3: "bender," I like. Oh, that's so nice. And then I skip. When it got leaked in the beginning i didn't think this was going to go on the album i thought this was going to be one of those songs that you know she kind of worked on in the studio but all along she probably knew yeah this isn't going to go on the album but then it went on the album and i do think that that the, (laughs) the percussion that she added to the to the song helped it a great deal i think it elevated it in a way and it made it better um but even still, I'm thinking, she's not going to do the song in the show, surely. You know, like, she can't possibly do a good, interesting performance of this song. And then she puts it in the show. So, you know, she's full yeah. of surprises.
2: What she did was clever, though, like, with the mechanics. And, you know, I thought the performance sort of justified it being in the concert a lot, actually. Mm, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, it was good. Know. It was like it told
0: a little story. <laughs> it did. <laughs> Told a story. It was when I went and got some popcorn from the foyer. <laughs> Gave me a break. <laughs> intermission. Not really. Yeah. Um, but then, of course, she moves on to track 12, Holy Water. Because, and personally, I think whoever, I'm sure she had her hands in it, whoever ordered the songs in this went, oh, God, well, we're going to have to come back with something really good after that. Um, and Holy Water, fantastic. Love this track. It is old school Madonna. Not necessarily musically, but in terms of all those references and sort of fingers up to the church and uh, controversy around nuns and she loves the imagery the fashion the iconography of the Catholic Church and, and here and didn't she take it to the next level in the actual concert itself I remember sitting there just I was just laughing to be honest like, here she goes this is and it just and then when she climbed on top of the nuns and started saying, yeah, oh my God.
2: So,
3: <laughs> and then they recreated yeah, no, they the lady. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
0: yes, then she yes. goes
2: up to the altar oh, wearing a crucifix. This is another
0: song that I, Kanye honestly, worked on. the day, it. she would have been put in jail. Yeah.
1: Okay, but I do really enjoy this song. I think this was the first song I heard that made me go, I need to listen to this album.
0: Are any of you offended by this song?
1: I mean, no.
2: like, uh, I... I find it hard to be offended by this something that's talking about something in a crude way, you know, when it's normally not, and how the Catholic Church or the church wouldn't like it. Like, I just think that people freedom of speech, you know, and freedom of expression.
1: It's pretty explicit, I love it.
0: though, what she says about Jesus. If you were someone yeah. who,
1: well, you know, I yeah. think it was brilliant that she was working with Kanye in the song, and she could say Jesus instead of Jesus. That was smart. Yeah. Explain yeah. that to me. Because she can't, that. like, you can't argue that she's offending anyone because she's not saying Jesus loves my pussy best. She's saying Jesus. Who's Jesus? Kanye. Kanye calls himself Jesus.
2: Jesus. Oh, she's obvi- obviously just... saying that Jesus. She's obviously. Jesus alluding oh. to him.
0: Oh, no, I'm more offended. I'm very offended now. I wasn't offended <laughs> when I thought it was Jesus. Now that it's Kanye <laughs> West, I'm extremely offended.
2: Yeah, you don't like Kanye. <laughs>
0: holy water it's a great track musically too it's just it's got a thumping bass line i i just love it i think it's an incredibly well constructed song
2: yeah and when it samples vogue it's just it hits at home so well how good is that come on fans on the line you this you must love
0: the the referencing one of her biggest and most um I,
3: i like the fact that she included that but i have to say i'm not sure why because vogue lyrically has nothing to do with holy water uh, I am not I mean maybe it was because of music. I do think it left a room though for her to do more of Vogue in the live show and I knew before I even saw anything with the show when I went there I was like she's definitely gonna do more of Vogue in the performance and I was really happy she did.
0: We're coming towards the end of the album now. Track thirteen is inside out.
1: It's a filler for me. I'm not a huge list. I think those like first opening bass synths are nice, but then I kind of get bored.
3: I like the fact that this is like a positive love song, you know, because she has a lot of heartbreak, angry love songs on the album. You know, the fact that this is an optimistic, happy, you know, love song, It to me, it's a it's a welcome addition to the album. And I think the melody of it is really, really pretty and really nice.
0: So we move to the final track of the album, Wash All Over Me. This track really stood out to me when I was listening to the demos in the car. I really enjoyed this, and uh, even though I've come to really enjoy the album version, I still can't help going back to that demo version of Wash All Over Me. I much prefer it. This is a song you can sing with, unlike some of the other tracks on the album. What are we making of Wash All Over Me?
1: I agree that the demo was – well, I mean, the demo to me is superior, but I think the demo is really – it it draws you in, especially with what she's saying versus just a simple piano
3: ballad. I feel like the demo is definitely the version that I would prefer to listen to, but I feel like that kind of disco sound is not, what she was sonically going for with this album. So I understand why she changed it. And I think the version that she ended up using really helps you focus on the lyrics more. And it works as a closer. Like I don't think of it as the closer because to me, the 19 track version like Rebel Heart is the real closer for the album. But if you do get the standard version, I think this is definitely a good way to close that. Part of the album off, you know, and it's a nice, you know, her closing tracks always seem to have some kind of message lyrically. And this one is like a great thought provoking song to kind of leave the listener with.
0: Yeah, I think all of us are going to agree. If it sounds really well as a second last song to me. Rebel Heart, how it is not the final track on the standard issue is beyond me. I have no idea how that yeah. happened. So let's move through to the deluxe edition. Again, take a stretch, everybody. Take a sip of tea. Just take a deep breath. We're we're getting there. A Nineteen track deluxe album. We're pretty spoiled as Madonna fans. Best night is track fifteen.
1: This Any is the track I was. That? Oh, this is the track I was talking about with a "Justify My Love" reference.
0: Ah, okay. I mean, Tell the, us
1: why. Well, in the bridge, she literally says, "I'm waiting." Or it's literally the quote from "Justify My Love."
0: Yes. Yes.
1: I can't. I'm blanking on it now. Where she's like wanting, needing, waiting for you.
0: You're right. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I love the justify my love reference. I feel like this is one of my top three favorites. Bitch on Madonna is number one. I think iconic is number two and this is definitely number three. I like how sensual it is and how it is very sexual, but it's not sexual in a way that's trying to shock you or be provocative. It's, it's coming from, I think, a very romantic place, you know. And this is, I think, lyrically, it has a very R and B feel to it musically, and I love that. But I love lyrically what she, how she conveys those emotions in the song.
0: I'm going to let somebody else introduce track 16. How do you pronounce it?
3: It's I don't veni Vidi Vici.
0: at first, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't it mean I came, I saw, I conquered? Is that what it means? Yeah. It's Latin. Ignorant Australians here. I'm sorry. We we only know (laughs) one language and that's Australian. So that's what it means. What language is this? Latin, did you say?
3: Yeah. This song I love because it's her, I feel like around this time, she began to get more comfortable with her past and there's another song in this vein that was on the super deluxe edition that i want to talk about later when we do our honorable mentions but this song her the fact that she's telling her story of her career and and you know how she got to where she is today it's again in the vein of iconic and hold tight very motivational very inspiring and she's one of those artists who can do these kinds of songs and you believe her and you do get inspired by the message because she actually did that. She struggled. She worked really, really, really hard to get where she is. And it's the kind of thing where, you know, if she can do it, then you feel you can do it too. The ultimate
0: reference song, this one, isn't it, Meg? She references her own work. Now as a group, let's try to do this really well. What are the songs that she references of her own? We've got Into the Groove.
1: Power borderline, of Goodbye. Um, borderline yeah. Holiday. Like a
0: Virgin. Uh-huh. Sort of erotica.
1: Vogue. Mm-hmm. She
0: uses the word erotic from memory. I just I love how many she got in there. Open my heart. Open your heart. Ray of Light. Mm-hmm. I believe And music didn't she as well? She Sort Did of references she? music has been the revival of her career. Well, this one's going to cause some conversation. I believe track 17 is S-E-X. Yay. I don't know what that spells, Megs, but um <laughs> I believe this song, it sort of divides fans. A lot of people saying it's just silly. Um, for me, I don't know, maybe because I'm an older fan, it just threw me back to the erotica era a bit, not just mm. because of the word but because of the sound. It's a little bit mystical. It's a little bit like you've walked into a red light district, I suppose. Um, and I do. I'm shameless. I love when she lists all the ridiculous <laughs> um, yeah. sexual references in one line. I, I have to admit, I really love that part of the song, sad and tragic as it is.
2: Yeah. But what I've read about this is that people see it as a criticism of hedonism and, you know, just diving into sexual pleasure, but I don't agree with that. I think it's because they say she sings it in a dispassionate way and it's sort of like, oh, this is just a shallow thing that we're doing just for pleasure. It's not about love or anything. But I think it's less a criticism more, and more just a brief indulgence of it, you know, just acknowledging it. And, you know, she's always talked about sexuality and I think she's this song is just, you know, speaking about you know, singing about it openly. And, yeah, I don't think it's a criticism of hedonism, but just a reference to it. I don't
3: know. It's hard to find the words to describe it, but I, I like the the kind of attitude that it has. And I really, really, really enjoyed the interlude on the tour. Um, I really liked how she had not just straight couples, but gay couples as well. And mm. she used the video clips from Erotica on the video screen, which I'm not sure why. I know people say she filmed in a vignette for an interlude but ended up not using it. I mean, we have
0: to face I mean, maybe I've led a very, very sheltered life, but some of the references in that <laughs> delightful <laughs> little list that she has towards the end of the song <laughs> when she talks about... Um, Uh, Leather mask, high heels, Mm, golden mask, perfume, switchblade, Epsom, Novocaine, chopsticks? Uh, Yeah. Chopsticks? (laughs) um, Hello? I don't mind. Go for it. Explain where
3: chopsticks come from. Yeah, I think there's, yeah, a, I hope there's so. a lot of so. humour in this song too, you know. <laughs> I'm yeah. glad because it, I find it funny.
2: It's so sure. similar to Devil Prey in that way. Like she just lists off the drugs so comprehensively <laughs> in Devil Prey and then this one she lifts off, you know, the sexual acts. And I don't think either a criticism, they're just sort of exploring it and traversing that landscape and what it implies. And I think with Devil Prey it was definitely about the transcendent, whereas here it's just about pleasure.
0: Lily, help me out with this one. Fish nets, satin sheets, garter belt, raw meat. <laughs> mm. Raw meat? What's she doing with Devon in the bedroom that I don't know about? It sounds like bear bag. Or baloney, as you call it over there. Um. Oh. Oh.
3: <laughs> 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 Is that too
0: expensive? I'm really giving myself away here. <laughs> You're absolutely right. It's not literally raw meat. Oh, God. How embarrassing.
1: It's, again... It sounds kind of cheesy to me. I think when you compare it to erotica, erotica, there's this mystery. There's this poeticness Mm -hmm. to it, where this is like, what do you know about sex? Absinthe Novocaine whips, you know, it's like, okay, it's in your face, we get it.
0: I have to round this off by saying golden shower, latex thong, liquish whip, strap it on.
2: Well, you know, today it's harder <laughs> to shock people because back then people were so much more Liquorish conservative whip. sexually. And so today she has to go Liquorish all whip. out to, to get any reaction, I guess.
1: What the devil. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Is this the song where she talked about... Oh, no. Um, never mind. I was thinking about um the erotic the erotic song that was in the sex book. Cause I was like, didn't she talk about dripping wax? But no, that was in that one.
0: Dental chair, only Madonna. Track 18 Messiah. Who'd like to kick us off?
3: I really like this song. I like the interlude. Again, I keep mentioning the interludes, but I love, she used the full album versions of these songs in the, in the shows for the interludes. And I love this part of the show. I thought that the guy dancing, doing that choreography was brilliant. Um, I like the demo version of the song more just because I feel like it was more
1: cinematic with the orchestral elements. I feel like the one that she released officially was very piano heavy, but the demo was a lot more cinematic and orchestral.
2: Well, on a humorous note, with, with the concert, when that, with that part, when um, the person's doing that, you know, dramatic act with the, the sheet or whatever it is all around him, Dad made me crack up because he just said, you know, he's trying to make the bed and he can't. <laughs> i just found that hilarious and we, we were laughing very thank at you so, you're the only son
0: who appreciates dad jokes well it, very yeah. nice of you that's a very good
3: dad joke i must say
2: mm-hmm. yeah because it was like blowing all around you we couldn't get a hold on it and so it, it, it really like. did remind me of you trying to make the bed
3: it oh, really did true, that's me. all i could yeah. that's all i
0: could think of it wasn't even meant to be a joke it was actually true uh <laughs> the final track on the album is rebel hearts Uh, Although, uh, can I just go back to that? You've never even attempted to make the bed. It's what I imagine you'd look like if you tried to make the bed. (laughs) You haven't. You've never made a bed in your life. Mm -hmm. Track (laughs) nineteen, rebel heart.
1: Is it's the, the last
0: track on the album? I oh, know <laughs> to a worldwide audience. Feeling very embarrassed. I love this song. Madonna often references her father. He's a perfect segue, yep. um, in oh, so much of her music. It's yeah. Such a he's such a heavy influence, even when she doesn't directly reference. Um, Papa don't preach. Papa don't all preach, of that sort yeah. of stuff. But Rebel Heart. I know it's not all about her dad, certainly, but she references dad again, and I often imagine him listening to this because he does come to her shows and he does um, look up with such a a face of admiration and confusion quite frankly (laughs) but here it is again i love the track rebel heart
3: well you know in the inner she did the um sacred project revolution film before this right before this and she did that interview with vice and in the beginning of that interview she talks about how when she was at school she would get made fun of because she would go out of her way to look different and be different because she didn't want to be like everybody else and she would come home and she would cry and her father would tell her, you know, what did you expect people to say when you're going out of your way to be different? And that's what she talks about in the beginning of that interview. And when I was listening to the song, that's pretty much what she's talking about in the first verse. The The
0: music is uplifting, yet the message behind it tells such a strong story about how Madonna uh, felt in her younger years and possibly still does now, like being so different. And I think that's why so many fans resonate Madonna resonates with so many fans is because we often feel on the fringes as well we feel different we feel like we're not part of the tribe in inverted commas and this song really goes to the heart of that she talks about thought I belonged to a different tribe walking alone never satisfied trying to fit in but it wasn't me I said oh no I want more that's not what I'm looking for so in other words Mm. the moment she embraced Being a pariah, being on the fringes, being different, Mm. and actually accepting—okay, fine—that's the rest of the world walk that way. But I don't see that. I'm going down a different road. Yeah, that those sort of lyrics really resonate with me.
2: Yeah, like dropping out of school and, you know, wanting to go to New York and dance rather than do the normal thing that people do because there's not many people that have lived a life like she has.
0: And as Rocco said too, the affirmation of her father in this song, although there's also the reference to the father saying, told you so, told you so, Mm. him him struggling too with a daughter who didn't fit in. It must have been part of his story is told in this track.
1: Yeah. This song, like I said earlier, this is my favourite song on the album, especially the demo version. I would say they're both amazing, but the demo version kind of has that leg up that makes it feel superior to me. But I think Mm -hmm. this song, when looking back at some of her older songs, it gives a very similar vibe to songs like Ray of Light, where it's like, these are those songs where if there's like a movie or like a soundtrack to Madonna's album, this is the song you close with. It's the finale. It's a masterpiece that you end on
0: beautiful way to round off the deluxe version of the album
3: and the Avicii demo that he did the first in that first batch of demos that got leaked for this particular song I understand that that's not sonically probably what she was going for for the album but it is so good it is like the chorus is you know with the background vocals is is very different than what you hear on the album but it's it's so good and it's I wish she would have done something with it, maybe make it a remix or something, because it, it, the fact that it's remained a demo to me is kind of sacrilege. I don't know.
0: Lily, can you take us through a little bit of a snapshot, a little bit of detail about how Rebel Heart performed?
1: Well, for a lot of countries around the world, it did go to number one, places like Canada and Australia, which is nice. Um, actually, in Australia, hey. I found this out. Um, she tied with U2 for the most number one albums in Australia for 11 total. That could have increased
0: Absolutely.
1: more with Madame X, but at that time. And then in the UK and the US, it debuted at number two. Um, and then in the US, this was the first album. This is bizarre. The first album since Ray of Light not to debut at number one um so it performed but- fairly well across the world but like a
0: typical madonna style we find that those first week sales are huge because she has such a dedicated uh, longing fan base who snap mm. everything up and plus there were different versions um and plus she's the promotion around it was was pretty good as well is it fair to say that this performed well
1: commercially well Uh, I mean, like sales wise, I would say yes, it sold within a year, it had a million total worldwide sales, which is great. But I would say when especially comparing it to Madam X and what happened with the charts, it did drop heavily after that first week of peaking.
2: It's it's so hard to calculate the success of the album these days, though, with YouTube and Spotify, and you don't need to pay for it anymore. So I find it difficult.
0: But all the artists are in the same market, though. That's the way I look at it. So the sales are, I think, for Rebel Heart, we're talking about in the United States it sold hundreds of thousands of whatever number that is, whereas back in the day, I remember Erotica was accused of performing commercially very poorly because it sold $2 in the first six weeks of its release and that was considered very low so that gives you a good sense of we were talking about millions of units back in the day now it's something is successful if it sells hundreds of thousands and in australia it got to number one as um lily just pointed out but it got to number one based on around Sales of I think it was around six to seven thousand copies, which is yeah lot, it's sort of for some for, for our two guests here on the line from the United States that would be quite laughable, <laughs> but um that's what got it to number one in Australia.
3: I wrote a very glowing review of the album when it first came out, um, and I actually said in uh, the headline that I wrote, I said "Rebel Heart is Madonna's best album since Confessions on a Dance Floor," and. I still stand by that to this day, and I and a lot of other reviewers were actually expressing similar uh, sentiments that this was her best work in a decade and definitely her strongest album in a while. And um, after M D N A, which I found pretty uh, lackluster in my personal opinion, I was very pleasantly surprised and, and happy with how much I enjoyed this album, and that seemed to be like I said what a lot of the critics that were saying.
0: Yeah, a lot of them were saying best since, as you wrote at the time, uh, since Confessions. Some even said the best since the music album. Lauren Murphy of the Irish Times, she gave it four out of five, and she wrote, it was the first time in years that Madonna doesn't sound desperate, and she praised it and compared it to Hard Candy and M D N A, which some people do accuse of being desperate albums. And then she continued, the indisputable pop icon is back with a tentative bang. So, you know, critically, I remember at the time reading lots and lots of reviews and most people were saying it was a strong album. There was quite a lot of commentary around it being a bit of a mishmash and not quite knowing what it needed to be. Other people saying, even though it seemed on the surface not to be cohesive, it actually was somehow cohesive um but then other people as you started out meg saying it's hit and miss there's some brilliant work on this album and there's some not so brilliant work and to be honest from the conversation we've had tonight on during this podcast that's what i'm hearing Mm. from everyone on the line that there are some highs but there are some insufferable lows body shop yeah (laughs) (laughs) hey someone liked body shop (laughs) now don't name names that's rude just the chorus
1: i like jeez (laughs) you body shop
0: defender you you're not welcome back around these parts oh no okay let's round this off how does this album rank sit in the Madonna landscape amongst all her her albums I also find it really interesting when I contrast this against Madame X because I can see the progression and some of the themes that she's stayed with and some of the ones she's dropped away where does it sit in Madonna's landscape do, do we all think
3: I think that this album is one of those albums that she could have only made that this far into her career. You know, throughout her career, she's made albums, Erotica, Ray of Light, Like a Prayer, American Life. Um, You know, those albums all are directly personal to me in ways that some of her other albums aren't. She knows who she is and she's secure in that and I think that's what she's representing on this this album. So well said
0: Rocco. Before I go to Lily and Meg for you. their summation of of Rebel Hut, do you have any standout uh, or honorable mention tracks that you'd like to mention before we wrap up?
3: Yes, there's three that are on the super deluxe edition. The first one is Borrowed Time, which to me, I think the demo that Avicii did is like the Rebel Heart demo, so much more superior to the album version. I loved his production on that. And on the chorus, it just hits you so well and so hard. And I loved the message of the song lyrically, the social consciousness of it. Um, and I also really like the song Addicted to me that song sounds like a song she could have been doing in New York City in like the late 70s early 80s when she was first starting out when she was in all those like punk bands it just felt like that time for me and I love that song and I also really love Graffiti Heart because this is this is another one of those songs where she references people that she knew she mentions um, Keith Haring She mentions, you know, that whole street art scene that she was a part of and that she hung around in New York when she was first starting out in her career. And to hear her, you know, reference that on a song and sort of reminisce and use that as a way to defend artists and people in general having their right to express themselves. To me, that's such a great track. And I'm glad she used it in some way for this album, I would have hated for that to have been a song that got left unreleased because to me, it's so important.
0: Good on you Rocco. Thank you very much. Lily, um, I'll, Lily, I'll let you sum up, but do you still listen to this album?
1: Um, I listen to pieces here and there, but to the album as a whole, I really do not listen to this album that often. Um, I'm wow. glad that we have Rocco here to kind of, talk about the good and the positives of this album because to me rebel heart is a very middle of the road lower end album of madonna's to me um i think kind of commenting on what he said where you get all these layers in madonna whereas all the other albums you get like one aspect of her but this is all of them i feel like by getting all of them you're not getting deep enough
2: Yeah, well, I fully agree with Lily, like, that it's not an album you sit down and listen to the whole thing like you do with her other ones in order and love the journey that it takes. Like, some of the songs you just want to skip by the end, like someone said with Illuminati, Um, some of the songs, you know, you don't even want to listen to at all, but then other ones you really like. That's why I called it Hit and Miss. And definitely, I, I, I somewhat identify with that critique that it's trying to do everything at once, and so it's less cohesive than her other works although i think maybe the cohesion is that it's it's so multifaceted and it's got so many different songs so i don't know really where i stand on that but i would say that it's probably better than madame x and less good than hard candy and i always stand by that um you know i prefer her earlier works to everything like just they they trump everything
0: (laughs) and for me i just have such a soft spot for rebel heart I mean, this was the first time that Madonna came back to Australia in more than twenty years since the Girlie Show. So sometimes for me, I, I don't know if it's the album that I've got a soft spot for, or the whole era with Madonna. Mm. She blurs those two things so well. I love the fascination of the way things leaked. I love the, I love the fact that Madonna had to respond to a very vulnerable moment in her career through the the leaking of the album and i love the fact that i got to see her human side when things didn't always go according to plan such as the fall at the brits i love the album i think it's got incredible highs there are certainly tracks that i skipped though and i hate saying that about madonna i like to think that i can appreciate nearly everything for what it is but at the same time i will say again that a lot of the tracks that i wasn't too taken with at first the rebel heart tour itself does it's turned that on its head seeing them live it's like okay now i get this song i get where she was coming from and i love it now
2: yeah definitely i would say even though she was like four hours late the concert was mm. incredible it was the like one of the best things i've ever done in my life like and she drew on so many different albums cohesively with the rebel heart album and yeah definitely the concert redeems anything I didn't like about the Rebel Heart album itself.
0: So Rocco, Lily and Megs, thank you so much for talking Rebel Heart tonight. Are you all doing well? Have you stretched out after that mammoth epic session because it was such a long album? You're all doing all right?
3: Yes. Thank you for having me again. I really enjoyed this uh, discussion. Um, Thank
0: you so much for bringing so much positivity into this discussion tonight.
3: Oh, well, thank you very much. Good on you guys. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Bye.